podcast on this Sunday evening. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, It is now 2022. um, And with me tonight, in our new year, we have John Joe Cosgrove. Oh my God, we're back again. (laughs) And Peter A. Allison. Happy New Year, everyone. So, gentlemen, gentlemen, um, I guess it would be quite... um, it would be rude of me not to ask you how your Christmas and New Year's went. So, how did it go? Okay, good. well, yeah, pretty good, actually. I mean, I got to spend time with the family and see everyone and do the funny things and get some board games. Got a new expansion for uh, Mansions of Madness. So, yay, more insanity. <laughs> uh, so some board game nights with the with the family. We've got to play Agricola together. What's Agricola? Um, Is that a uh, Agricola... It, it's a farming-based board game. Okay. And Kelly loved it. Um, it's a very much a Marmite game. You right. either love it or love it. Uh, Kelly absolutely does it. Um, Michael enjoyed it. Um, my youngest really enjoyed it, because, uh, who's only five. He, I mean, he was on son, uh, Kelly's team, and he just had a weird of a time. Um, for me, it's, it's a very abstract game, which I'm not that keen on. But I just still didn't, did enjoy it. Okay. Cool. Nice. Yeah, so it's a And they've got very different variations. You've got the basic agricola, then you've got like the family edition, two player edition. There's various types you can actually get into. That was more in keeping with your play style and like how you typically play the game. We got the family edition, which is, you know, streamlined, slightly simpler, and more accessible, uh, which is great for when you got to kids. And then we've got Mansions of Madness, which isn't great for kids. <laughs> <laughs> that, what what def- age are your kids again? Um, five, ten, and thirteen. I mean, okay, my, my thirteen-year-old will be fine with it, but the five-year-old, not so much. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a very um, unforgiving game. So, Mansions, yeah, Mansions of Madness can be quite. It what depends on the mission you're playing in Mansions of Madness, especially the second edition. You kind of got like uh, difficulty ratings from like the one to five. And one of the new missions we unlocked in the Beyond the Threshold expansion we got was only like a two player um, difficult, so two uh, two tire difficulty. And rather than the typical hunt the monster, it was you have got a murder to solve. Okay. Uh, so they're really doing kind of innovative things within the board game structure that they've developed. I mean, and it just and it is basically Call of Cthulhu, the role playing game as a board game. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah, we've done we did that yeah a few years back. Me, Sean Wallace, and Sam, Laurie, and Ben Fee uh, did the Call of Cthulhu RPG, and it was some, something completely different. Hadn't done that before. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't think I would, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's was really you know, good. it's you know, when you after playing like D and D and Star Wars, um, the Call of Cthulhu role game is vastly different in terms of playstyle and themes than you know, for want of a better term, typical role playing game. It's not like go out there, kill the monsters, get an XP. It's more like go out there, see the monsters, run screaming, insane. <laughs> it's considered a good thing if you die. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because even the other option is you go insane and die. <laughs> I mean, I am, I am very kind of like, um, what's the word? 
like simplifying the whole experience because it's all about investigating the unknown and slowly becoming insane as you realize the true awful horrific insanity of what's facing you um and like obviously it's lovecraft fiction um but and and also there are vastly different types of lovecraft fiction out there i mean um titus crow novels for example which are very which are very uh, lovecraftian in setting and style but thematically they are quite different i mean as the author put it and i'm afraid i'm blanking his name um i think it was uh the guy that did the necroscope no Brian Lumley, that was it. Brian Lumley, um, he said, as he put it, my heroes aren't, aren't wusses. Okay. <laughs> he said, my heroes, go, my heroes go down kicking and screaming. It's like, okay. And they do. Like, there's a much more heroic slant to his novels. But in, you know, H.P. Lovecraft original, original books, people uh, went exploring, saw things, and went horrifically insane. <laughs> Uh, prime example of this is the just for, just for Christmas, and if you check out my review on the Geek Pride website, is volume two in at the at the Mountains of Madness, which are these um, full color art books, like you know, recreating um, H.P. Lovecraft's classic work, but as an art book, and it's gorgeous artwork. And again, people go exploring, find something weird, go exploring, there's something weird. Go perfectly insane when screaming. The end. <laughs> and to be honest, that's the typical structure of most HP Lovecraft novels. Incredibly well written, also utterly racist. Um, but yeah, he's he's, he's got a lot, lot to answer for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Joe, what have you been up to? What would you? How did you oh. your New Year uh, Christmas go? Oh, do you know what? Um, Christmas was fine. Um, I spent Christmas with a partner who um obviously does not do any of the geeky stuff at all so that's like for you know we we have the thing like we have our time together you know we do the usual family stuff we do the usual like you know passing of the presents we have dinner we have a laugh you do party games with the family and then it's like you know afterwards i think i spent about four or five days straight on playstation just playing death stranding actually of all games i could pick you know um i Decided I was going to be a delivery man for a week, you know. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I've, I've not played it. This. I've not played it. Um, it just Do looks you know batshit crazy. Joe, I, I bought it back in 2019 when it first came out. And for the life of me, I just couldn't get on with it. I, I got about six or seven hours in. I put it down and I was like, I just don't get. And I hate myself for it because I absolutely love any game by Hideo Kojima. You know, I played all the Metal Gear solids, including like the Metal Gear back from the 80s as well. Um, Death Stranding was like just a bit, it went a bit too weird for me. Um, but a few weeks ago, I thought, hey, let's try it again. Let's pick it back up. And I am no liar. I'm about 35 hours into the game since about that middle of last week. I've just been hooked on it. I've been really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the world building. I'm enjoying the the slow progression of the story. And even if I tried to describe to you what Death Stranding was about, if I was to even try and tell you what the, um, what Norman Reedus's character means to this world and what he's trying to do to basically try and save the world. I don't think I could, even with the time that I've had with the story, it is just so fucking weird, but 
I think what makes it more accessible now is that it is a world that's kind of like disconnected. So you've got people that are stuck in their own places. They can't go outside for whatever reason, a good majority of them. The ones that do go outside have to have like all protective gear. And it's like, you know, it's like, my God, this is kind of, this kind of like was a foreshadow for what was to come. You know, it's a, it's very frightening, but it, it, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun. I, I've just really enjoyed it. And I don't think anyone could honestly say they could have that much pleasure from going around delivering packages, rebuilding roads and, you know, setting up machinery. That's, that's basically doing it in a very like simple way. Oh, and also trying to avoid these shadow creatures that if they grab you, they will kill you. Uh, they will suck out your soul. You have to then try and get yourself back into your body. You come back to the land that you're in, but you're now sitting near a giant crater because your body basically exploded and made a, um, yeah, basically created a crater that's about a quarter of a mile uh, radius around. You know, it's, um, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, It really is. But, do you know, I've enjoyed it so much and I'm looking forward to the next 35 hours or whatever. I'll still got to do on this. Um, but apart from that, uh, Christmas was kind of a uh, Spider-Man thing. Um, before Christmas, I went to go and see the film with some friends. Uh, after Christmas, I took my sister to go and see it. And, do you know, it's it, there, there is such a thing as, you know, a film that is made for cinema, that's made for the big screen. And that just proved to me that, whereas a lot of people go, oh, no, no, cinemas are dead. Cinemas have no place in the world now. I think watching that film just made me believe if I'd seen that on a like normal TV screen, I think I would have been disappointed. I would have been ashamed of myself. And I obviously, you know, I can't say to people, yes, go outside, go to the cinema. Because a lot of people still ain't in that right frame, really. Yeah. Some people still are not prepared to get to them kinds of experiences again. But having that movie just made me think, my God, this is so incredible. And I really don't want to spoil it because I know, Pete, you haven't seen it yet i know you haven't no. watched it oh, no, I'm no way say, really i'm not gonna say no. a word my daughter like we I, me and my family well more accurately um me and my two my two eldest have seen every mcu film together we sat down and watched them together and then and like, midway of like uh through last month my daughter turned to me who's now 13 said daddy i'm going to go and see spider-man no way home with my friends Oh, I must get right in the feels. And that was just... You've seen Spider-Man. What age is she? Is she the 15-year-old? She's 13. 13-year-old. She's a teenager. And, and like, you know, yeah, I want to go see Spider-Man No Way Home with my friends. And it was just like, but we watched every MCU film together. Yes. Aww. Joe, in some ways it's funny, but in other ways it does feel heartbreaking. It was just like, well, yeah. I'm gonna milk that. I mean, what's galling is that I had to take her to the cinema and pick her up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just gone in yourself, man. Like I went on my own. I, I didn't get, I didn't get to see it until um, like New Year when I got back from Northern Ireland. So, and I was just like, I was meant to go with Mira. But uh, she couldn't. She couldn't get a babysitter. Um, yeah. So 
I just went, right, I just got on my own. And I took myself off into Stockport and, uh, and, and went and sat there in between a load of people on my own. And um, yeah. So you should have just gone, right? Okay, you can go with your friends. Daddy's going as well, though. <laughs> well, uh, what I was tempted to do was actually like go myself and get buy tickets to myself and just sit behind them the entire time. <laughs> but no, okay, I would throw nice. popcorn at them and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what you oh, get well, for sh- betraying me. Talking. <laughs> no, no, um, no. But I, yeah, I had to drop them off, pick them up, and I've been guilt tripping you ever since, as I should. I don't, I don't a, blame you. It's a, it's. It's a third, like, no, obviously, no, um, there will be no spoilers, uh, here and yeah. stuff, so don't worry about it. It's thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, definitely top five, um, top five, uh, Marvel films, I think. Um, it's, you know, it's quite, just quite emotional in parts. It's quite, um, quite intense. And mm. yeah, it's got a lot of surprises I, and stuff. So, yeah. I think as well, without obviously spoiling it, I think there is a lot of moments that are, there's a lot of people saying there's a lot of fan servicing. I wouldn't call it fan servicing. I think it's actually just rewarding people that have stuck with Spider-Man for mm. all these years. It gives you that that sense of like, you know, I'm glad this has happened or I'm glad we saw this happen in the film or I'm glad so-and-so did this. And it, well, it, yeah. It's basically paying off people that have... Oh, no, rewarding people that have kind of stuck with it and also... Uh, answering questions on resolving plot threads that were established in previous films, which is what you want. You don't want, you know, dangling plot threads, plot strands unanswered. You want something, even if it's like a film or so down the line, you want it answered and resolved so, so the character can move forward and, you know, and move on to new stories. Obviously, this isn't a spoiler because you've seen it in the trailers. Yep. But that first moment when you see Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, I tell you, it is it is a sight to believe. Just when you just see the like, like the arms just coming through the ground, mm. and uh, it's 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 kind of frightening, but at the same time, it brought me back to two thousand and four straight away because it's just like, wow, you know this I, this is the character that I remember, and I was just like, I am fucking impressed. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the guess. I was never, um, I wasn't a massive fan of the Tobey Maguire. Um, Spider-Man films, and I haven't, yes, and I I didn't see um the Andrew Garfield ones because I wasn't yeah. that ma- I wasn't massive fan of the to- um uh, the Tobey Maguire ones and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's uh the new Spider-Mans, the ones with um uh Tom Holland in it, have really sort of kind of you know it's it's like the new it was like it was like batman i was never a massive fan of the tim burton batmans i didn't hate them i just you know i wasn't you know a massive fan of the tim burton ones but then when yeah. the christopher nolan ones came in i was like oh yeah a bit more visceral a bit more sort of kind of dark and stuff grounded. And kind of, grounded. yeah grounded and stuff so mm. i kind of liked that and i think that with the tom holland uh spider-man films um they are a bit more I, I don't know. They, they as much as there's the, the the Marvel comedy side to things, they're a bit more uh, grounded, um, and I I, I kind of like that. And this one more so than the others, I think as well. It is definitely a bit more sort of kind of like it, it pulls at the heartstring. You can definitely he you know his emotion is very much shown quite quite a lot throughout it and stuff. And it's you know it's very good. Yeah. And I'm yeah, very yeah. mindful that if we carry on talking about this, we're going to spoil things. Yeah. No, I mean. I agree with you, Matt. I mean, 
I enjoyed the Tobey Maguire ones. The first one especially. Second one, yeah, it was okay. I think, no, the, the second one, one is good, but I think with the second one, moments. I think there is moments. I think there is moments that obviously they go a bit too cliche. Yeah. Obviously, and the whole the loose of the powers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, I think what makes the Tom Holland Spider-Man's is the villains are very grounded. Like, you know, just, I mean, I still think like Vulture in the first uh, Spider-Man, MCU Spider-Man film, is just a fantastic film because you sympathise him. You know exactly where he's coming from. He's, you know, you understand, like, why he's doing what he's doing. Okay, he's, he's absolutely, you know, he's stealing, robbing and hurting people, but you can appreciate his motives. And I think that's what nailed it for me. Well, that's the best bad guys are always ones with a bit more, exactly. a bit more depth to them. And, you know, ones who are just bad because they're bad, you know, yeah. it's always the ones that, and, and I think this becomes more of a trope. As much as it's good, mm. it's becoming a bit more of a trope these days, but it's always, you know, I was a good yeah. guy and then shit happened and that made me a bit jaded towards yeah. sort of things. Therefore, I became a bit of a shithead because I'm trying to get revenge and it does. Make it's always... Sorry, go on. It makes them a bit more relatable, I think, uh, to people. And you can kind of not get behind them, but you sort of like, yeah, kind of understand where he's going for. And it sort of kind of pulls at your your sort of kind of moral compass slightly because you're like, yeah, if that was me, would I have done the same thing? And mm. I like exactly. that. I like that in my bag, yeah. guys. I like a bit. It's, it's like, you know, no, I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm a massive 40K nerd and stuff. And especially in the Horace Heresy type things, there's a lot of the sort of, you know, ruinous powers type of, you know, all the ones who fall to the uh, the ruinous powers, they, they've they not done it straight just because they're bad guys. They've done it because they were forced into it. And I kind of like that about this sort of kind of, you know, a bad guy, he's not truly bad. They've just sort of had, taken a different path and that's just a the good, way it is. A good guy made forced to make bad decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, yeah. Um, I was just going to say, as we're talking about MCU stuff. I'm going to assume that both of you have watched um, the whole Hawkeye series. Yeah, I watched I the whole Christmas. I re- yeah. I'm going to be possibly call controversy here and say it might be my favourite out of all of them. I think I, I think I could almost agree. I mean, the first two episodes are a little bit plodding, but then obviously you have to build up that background. Building, you have to build kind of, up. Um, yeah, but what I like about it, if I can go through three very quick points. It's probably the most grounded series out of all we've yeah. seen on Disney Plus because you know, at the end of the day, as even Hawkeye says, he's a guy with a stick, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, a stick and a bit of string. That's basically him. Um, second, you know, we've got the fantastic setting of New York, which obviously you know has been the centre to many of um, the MCU actions that we've seen over the last thirteen years. And third of all, you know, basically, it's not. We could say it's not a spoiler because you know this came out nearly four weeks ago and. They've plastered it all over the Facebook page mm. and everything. Vincent the fucking Nofrio back as Kingpin. That yeah. was... My brother, surprisingly, had never seen Daredevil. So we were watching uh, we were wow. watching Hawkeye and and I was just like, um, oh, I feel like I, I, can't, I can't say that now because I'm going I'm to ruin other things and stuff. But it, it, we were watching <laughs> it and he was just like, oh, I've not... I've not seen. I said, "Oh, the oh, it's Kingpin," and he was just like, "Oh, who's he?" And I was just like, "Have you not seen Daredevil?" And he went, 
No, I've not. I didn't. I, I wanted to, but I, I've not got to. I said, "Oh man, you need to watch Daredevil. Yeah. It's absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant." You know, Fisk's in it and stuff, and he is such a good bad guy. Like literally one of the mm-hmm. top sort of kind of Marvel villains and stuff. Just, just his sort of kind of the very sort of chilled, reserved, you know, methodical. Mm-hmm. And then he just has these like he's like a, he's like a elastic band. You know, he's being pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled, and then he just breaks. And then when he goes, he goes, and it's just like it's a amazing when he just kicks off um but as yeah and he just went and watched the he just watched they they literally hammered the daredevil series and the punishers and stuff he said oh awesome why did i not watch these before and stuff but do do you know i think when that first series of daredevil came on you got to remember that was like the first real exploration into like a long form tv side to the mcu obviously apart from uh, agents of shield but this was like you know taking a different angle going a different route and daredevil I kind of took me a few episodes to warm up to it, but as soon as Vincent D'Onofrio came on the screen and you just see this guy who, like you say, you know, he's, he's calm. He's very particular, but you know, he's clever. He knows what he's doing. He's, he has an idea. He has his control. And this is a guy that, you know, as you say, it builds up and builds up and builds up. And then when you have that scene, when he attacks the guy with the car door, oh man, yeah, brilliant. That, yeah. That, that was, that was like one of the things it was like, my God, this is in a Marvel show. And it's just like, not like one hit or two hits. It's about 20 whacks to the head. And it's just like, shit, you know, See, that's, <laughs> that's the one thing about that. I really sort of kind of got me about it. Right. Cause DC, the films were always quite gritty and dark and violent. Uh, and Marvel was a bit kitsch and sort of kind of, um, funny and a bit more sort of kind of slapstick and stuff you know and obviously that's what got it a bit more uh i think people enjoyed it a bit more because it wasn't too serious it didn't take itself too seriously um whereas when they started the series you know dc went you know obviously the arrow was a bit more serious to start off with but then they kind of went the more comical way with their series whereas the uh, marvel switched and went more serious and more dark and more visceral and stuff. And it was just like, you know, it was a bit of a juxtaposition, but it worked for them because, you know, mm-hmm. you, you were used to that sort of kind of happy clappy sort of kind of, you know, one-off jokes type things going on. And then suddenly you had, you know, ultra violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the car door, like <laughs> some, some properly sort of messed yeah. up stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I really enjoyed the Hawkeye. I especially liked that. I, I mean, as you were saying, John, John, like it was like this is what it means to be a human hero in a world of a living god, a super soldier, hypertech, and he's a guy with a bow and arrow. And what does it mean to be human? And what does the impact mean? Like the fact when he comes after a fight, he goes home and he basically just straps his head and chill, frozen boot him like just the, the, <laughs> the bruises. I know, just and uh, like the fact he's got hearing loss because of all the explosions. Yes, I love yeah. that. Those little things. And yeah. the little touch as well, because I know. Oh, could he talk to, talk to this side? Is it, why is that? Because of some spy thing? No, it's I'm deaf in this, so you could talk to it in that side, please. And it's the little touches like that of like I've been to one too many uh, wasp gigs in the, in the time, and I'm paying the price for it. So basically, I'm slightly deaf in one ear, not as bad as. Uh, uh, not as bad Clint as Barton. Uh, Clint Barton Clint or Barton. Uh, Echo, but oh, yeah. 
yeah, it's still like still there, and just kind of. But I have to say, like just talking that earplace, and so it's good. Just little notes like that, which which ground the character even further and what it means. And it's great to like also the payoff. Uh, something they set up in the Black Widow film as well. You get to see the showdown between Yelena and Clint, mm. and that was like. The, and my only criticism, and I say this in the very broadest sense of the word, is that. Whilst everything in like the first few episodes was very you know inter- interwoven, you could see where everything you could see everything interconnected. The f- the final episode felt very disconnected, but I suspect that is due to having to film due with COVID restrictions, where they had to kind of minimise crossover to the extent. Yeah, so, I, I think when um, when they will see putting together Hawkeye, <clears throat> as we've seen with other MCU projects, I reckon they gave this whole wish list and said right. This is what we want in the show. Da, 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 da. And they go, Joe, what we'd like to have Yelena because, you know, we could tie up that story. And I know probably like at first, well, we don't know if we can definitely get Florence Pugh back into it. Uh, okay. Well, we'd like to get um, Kingpin because, you know, why not go to New York and have New York's most fearsome villain? Yeah. And they're like, well, okay, well, we'll see about that. And according to Vincent D'Onofrio, he got the call back in January of 2021. They'd already been filming Hawkeye for two months at that point. So if D'Onofrio is telling the truth, and let's be honest, he loves Marvel. He loves playing Kingpin. I don't think he's lying at all. So to be told two months into production, yes, you're coming back. I don't think that he was always going to be the plan. He was always going to be the planned Mm. character that's going to be introduced back into that side of it. But I'm glad he is because it really ties up well, especially with, you know, the character of Echo, because... Anyone who has any knowledge of the comics knows that Echo is basically, well, she's referred to as the niece, you know, going to her Uncle Wilson every now and again for whatever support. And even even just when um, when Vincent D'Orofio is brought in, he's wearing that outfit. That outfit is literally out of the Hawkeye comic book. And he has even said... That was my idea. I wanted them to do that costume. It's like, how did it end? Yeah, Dare- I'm, I'm trying to think. Where, where did it? Because it's been a while since I saw the Daredevil. Daredevil. Did, yeah. How did it end with him? Did he? Was, um, he, the, the, he lost it- to because um, he he fought against Matt Murdock again just after Matt Murdock had put um, Bullseye basically into hospital. Yeah, yeah. And that was when um, Wilson Fisk learnt that you know it's a blind man who's just beaten him, you know, and they kind of had this thing like, you know, he goes, Oh, I'll go to prison. Something like, I'll go to prison, but you know, I'll be out and I'll be waiting for you kind of thing. It was, it was like that. All right. Yeah. 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 That was the big fight in the apartment or something. Wasn't um, it? Yeah. 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 That was, that was it. When he was obviously back in the old black costume instead of the, yeah. 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 I remember now. But, um, do you know what? Uh, Hawkeye altogether, I think did actually have some of the best performances from the Disney plus shows altogether. There was just some, and I think as well, you know, from watching one division, you're going to get something really weird. You know, from watching Loki, you're going to get something that's very interdimensional, very out there to have something that kind of brought it back almost to where the MCU first started, you know, having this very grounded set of characters, having no real powers to talk of. I mean, loads of trick arrows, which really did steal the show in episode three. That was, that was, especially the pin technology arrows, you know, that was yeah, a yeah. touch. 
Yeah, they, but, um, <laughs> they've really kind of played with the idea of trick hours as well. Hmm. And I really kind of like that. Like, you don't just those, just, don't just those, those are too dangerous. And like, <laughs> uh, Kate just fires it out, like, of course, the van to explode. He goes, There's something more dangerous than that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's the, it's the Pym Arrow, the one that becomes like 50 foot long. Yeah. That was, that was brilliant. I just love that bit. It also, it's just like, that, I mean, oh, boy. Got, this is a TV, essentially a TV budget they're making a, sh- a show with. And it's one of the best car chases I've seen on a television show. Oh, yeah. That was good. You talked about kind of like movie level effects, Mm. but on a TV show budget, admittedly with like the the beam of of that is Marvel MCU uh, behind it, but still, it's essentially a TV show budget. Mm. Um, Uh, Were they had obviously the best bit of uh, the Hawkeye series is obviously uh, Steve Rogers, the, the musical. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but where you know, there's another, there's another character in the um in the lineup of the yep. Avengers. Ant-Man. Right? Do you, do you want do you want the easy explanation to this one? Uh, why? What's the what's the <laughs> other option to this? Um, the other one is where we're on this till midnight going through it. Um, oh, right, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Basically, the <laughs> Pete's like, no, I've got things to do. Michael. <laughs> No, but well, pretty much. Go back to Endgame when every character was going back in time to, you know, go and save the world. Um, you know, we had um, we had Scott, we had Scott Lang who was with um, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, and they were in New York during the the Battle of New York in 2012. And you know, it doesn't take a genius to you know think. Hang on, there's all these superheroes going around. Even Hulk had to go and blend in to, you know, because you, know, you can't hide a like a eight foot tall green man. Mm-hmm. So he had to obviously go and do his bit. Um, and, you know, obviously Ant-Man was known to the world at the time. Someone must have spotted Ant-Man because, come on, he didn't really make it too much of a secret that he was going around the place. Especially like, you know, when he's knocking the case over. I'm sure it wasn't just Loki that saw the Tesseract case move. And someone from Shield must have went. Hmm, that was probably Ant Man that did that. Right. Who? Oh, you know, um, you know, Hank Pym. Right. right oh. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what that's why Ant Man is basically. There. And what I like as well is I like how how cheap they do the costumes as well for the musical. Yeah. It's not like you know proper. It's not like proper set outfit. But that basically looks like if they made the Avengers back in the nineties with like such a shoestring budget. Be like, uh, yeah, we'll give you a T-shirt. That'll be fine, won't it? It's got the logo. Um, yeah, but they give you the full music. This is the one thing which is really bizarre. <laughs> the end sequence after the mm. credits is the full song <laughs> from the musical, and it's it's not, think, it's not a great song to be fair. No, but yeah, it, yeah. Well, I think one what, of the creators, what, yeah, one of the creators did say that um, at the end of the show, like they did with the other MCU ones, the majority of them got a post-credit scene. And what he said was he could have put in something that would have teased a future project. But he said to them, it felt more fun to kind of give something a bit more lighthearted. Just basically say, you know, this is closing out the year. Um, You know, this is basically MCU coming back after a year off. And they just went, yeah, well, why not do something that's a bit unexpected and a bit fun? And come on, even at the end. You must sing in. I can do this all day. Yeah, um, I can do this all day. Yeah. Yeah. I must. I liked it best just with purely the Clint's reaction. 
Yeah. As you can see, he's like fresh light gun. Yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah okay. He's like, he's switched off his, switched off his, um, no, hearing, hearing aid. Yeah. Hearing aid. And just went, had a nap for a bit. Like, I thought that was like, brilliant. I was yeah. just like, yeah. But I don't yeah, think I don't think it was to do. Uh, well, I, obviously, it was partially to do with the fact that it was naff, but it was also the fact that it was bringing back a lot of sort of emotions to him and stuff. And uh, he, you know, mm. he was having a you know a bit of PTSD, which obviously yeah. plays into the um, mm. plays into the uh, the whole sort of like him being he's a human being with no superpowers who is affected mm. by these things and stuff. Yes. So. And need we forget, there was one other character in the Avengers who did suffer from PTSD after the events of 2012 as well. And that was Tony Stark in yeah. Iron Man 3. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, they've got to, like, what he's been through. I mean, as he said to, to Yelena, like, you know, um, he said, Yelena was better than me. He admits purely, he feels he should have, like, he should have been the one that sacrificed himself rather than... Um, mm. Not Scarlett Johansson, Natasha. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, like, so he's got a lot of guilt there, and he's carrying that. And you finally see that kind of play out between him and Yelena, which is a beautiful, beautiful scene between two fantastic characters. And yeah, um, yeah, Yelena is just going to be a brilliant uh, Black Widow. Uh, if she, mm. if she, I don't know what the shape of the MC is going to be with uh, Natasha and Yelena, but I can see Yelena taking it on and. I'll be happy with that because she she is a Black Widow, but she's a very different Black Widow to what Natasha is. Yeah. Um, she's got much more humour to her. And just that scene, uh, I think in episode, is it three? Where Kate Bishop and, and Yelena first Oh, yeah. When, when, she, when she's having the, the mac and cheese with the hot mac, sauce. Yeah, mac and cheese. And like, just having that kind of like chat together. Oh, and then the subsequent fight together. You can see they're actually getting on with each other. This has got completely different thoughts and how... But she even says at one point to Yelena, you know, why do I like you so much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a brilliant, like, you know, like those those two actresses, I was up to the top, the top of their game in that series. And yeah, it was just a delight to watch. Whenever the two, those two were on screen, it was just going to be absolute blats watching what they come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, though, if we look at, um, just before we obviously finish on the Hawkeye stuff, it wasn't until watching that show I realised how much baggage Clint Barton actually has because yeah. obviously not just his time as an Avenger, but you've also got to look at his time as the Ronin as well, which comes into big play in this. We obviously get a bit more background as to, you know, some more of his time during the blip. Um, and then we had, you know, we see Yelena's side of the blip as well, which was... Um, yeah, well, at least we now know where she was during yeah, Avengers. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just that Florence Pugh wasn't cast. It was obviously <laughs> because she'd been snapped away. You know, nothing to do with the casting or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Joe, overall, Hawkeye, brilliant. Yeah, 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 really enjoyable. Though it did sort of like her sort of clicking in the toilet and then appearing again in the same toilet. It sort of always it brings back that sort of uh, thing. Like if I was in an aeroplane and I was clicked away, yeah. Am I going to be back in that aeroplane or am I going to be in the place that I no. was when the aeroplane was? They explained this before. They did say that when the Hulk snapped everyone back in, he's done it so everyone was safely positioned 
Because could you imagine that? The thousands of people that would be falling from the sky yeah. because they were in an aeroplane. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Be like, or people, uh, that, or people yeah. that were in the midst of an operation or in hospital. Yeah. Well, that's it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, oh, like, it's just sort of like, the thing is, all it would take is for him to just not think about it properly. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah, but, but, to be fair, but to be fair, Bruce Banner is a scientist. Then again, it wasn't. Yeah, Bruce Banner is a scientist. So he would think of that, that through those logics and steps. Yeah, true. But even you know, I rec- and I reckon going into because we should be getting some announcements soon for the MCU shows for 2022. Going into She-Hulk, I reckon we're going to get a lot on Bruce Banner's part with the like the snap as well. I reckon we're going to hear quite a bit about you know when he brought people back and how it affected him. And um, you know, uh, Pete, you have seen Shang Chi, haven't you? So, yes. And Matt, you've seen Shang-Chi. Yes, sir, I've seen Shang-Chi, yeah. Because we do see um, Bruce Banner has obviously de-hulked in the time since yes. Avengers Endgame and Shang-Chi. But his arm is still bandaged up, though. He's still obviously suffering from, you know, from the snap. That, well, that's a, that's a permanent yeah. price of having to use the Infinity Gauntlet in such yeah. a way. That's the price. And, he, and I think... He's probably always going to have that as an injury at yeah. some greater or lesser extent, mm. which yet yeah, you can expect there needs to be a price for yeah. something at that scale. It can't be just like no problems. There has to be a price, and that was the price he paid. Yeah, and you know I've got to say with all the shows that we got coming this year because we have She-Hulk, Moon Knight, which should hopefully be quite good, Ms. Marvel. We've yeah. got as well. No, no, was it Marvels? No, no, the Marvels is the film. Right, okay. Yeah. But, I'm looking um, forward. To, I'm looking forward to Ms. Marvel. Actually, I did enjoy yeah. the, the original comics of that, and that someone's will be interested to see how they approach it. Hmm. Um, although I have heard that Ms. Marvel is getting extensive reshoots because it was due to be on at the end of last year, but then you know Hawkeye took that spot, I guess. And then they pushed it back. But, um, yeah, apparently they're doing another month's worth of reshoots. So I guess it's going to tie in with the Marvel's film, which... Well, um, the, the, well it, there has been a lot of jiggling about in terms of the oh, yeah. release I mean, dates. I think that's what, the, what they're going to be... And also, everything has reshoots now. So I think yeah. reading to anything oh, yeah. like that is going to be... Yeah, 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 it's normal. But, I mean, look at Spider-Man and um, Doctor Strange, because Multiverse of Madness was originally going to be before the new Spider-Man film. Yep. And apparently they had to do a big rewrite of both movies because oh, they, of yeah. where the order changed. Yeah. But that and, also um, goes to show of how much attention Marvel are paying to the ongoing narrative within mm. the MCU. I mean, we went to about 20 films plus. I've lost track. We're, we are on 27 as of Spider-Man. Yeah. Way do, do you think, do you think Sony will eventually just pull the plug with them? Well, I can't talk. I can't talk because Pete's here and he's obviously not seen it. Um, um, no, I, I, I think, I, I I think don't Sony think so. are making too much money on this at yeah. the moment. I mean, look at it this way. You know, we're in, we're still in the pandemic. You know, we've got the apparently the strongest strain of COVID at the moment with Omicron because it's just you know spreading like wildfire. Uh, but, not transmissible, but less severe. Just yeah, one point. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say as well, in a pandemic world, this film has just taken over in terms of 
um, Dollar Revenue, it's just taken over the original Avengers film. Really? It is over. It is one point five five billion at the worldwide box office at the moment. Wow! And that is just stupidly high. Not just obviously for this everything that's going on at the moment, but it's also the highest earning film ever released by Sony. It is, yeah, obviously the highest earning yeah. film since the pandemic began. And so they'd be stupid yeah, to sort of they, they exactly. Be, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sony will still keep the the cinematic rights of Spider Man. Because, but they then they're they going to license it. They essentially license it back to Marvel to use, and so basically as an income stream for them, and they just can sit back and take in the money. Yeah, mm. it's all about the money in the end, unfortunately. All about the money. Yeah. Um, oh, one film I saw moving on to MCU is Matrix Resurrections. All right. Oh um, yes. I, I enjoy. I enjoyed that a lot. See, it's big thing is I I've not seen it and I didn't see it because it was getting absolutely panned by everybody and I was like I yeah. don't know if I want to waste my time if it's just going to be super hang on, shit. I, hang on, hang I on. said how good it you was re- and you, you didn't relied re- on the reviews. Say it again. You didn't. You didn't listen to my you, review. I know. Yeah. I read it. No, hey, to be honest, I read your review and I I did think okay maybe I will watch it now, but it was just like hey. it was. You know, I'm not a person who listens to reviews very often but yeah. if everybody's telling me it's shit then i'm like eh, yeah and so it was only like pete was the first one who said yeah it's actually pretty good yeah. um so <laughs> i was just like all right i'll uh i'll maybe give it a go yeah i've i've got to say based on pete's review that's why i watched it and i thought it was batshit crazy but i really enjoyed it yeah and it's, it's it was it was fun yeah it's felt incredibly meta-referential, both both naming like the previous films and the studios in it, and it was basically uh, Lena Wachowski giving one a really good dig. I mean, my theory is just, which I state in my review, is that Matrix Resurrections was you know aimed at a very specific audience, people like of our race that had seen the original Matrix in the cinema back in the nineties, and were kind of blown away by it. And like, they're just really kind of inspired by that cultural uh, shift in the zeitgeist. And then we've since kind of settled down, you know, let's calm down a bit, families, jobs, everything. And then, yeah, it's kind of just kind of reawakened that passion that once drove us. And that's kind of mirrored in the arc of um, Neo and Trinity, where they're kind of, they've like, um, we're going into details. They're kind of like settled back into their own, into kind of the matrix again, and become something else. Someone kind of part of the matrix rather than within the matrix, and they kind of see their characters reawaken and become really powerful and glorious, but still kind of without airbrushing their age, kind of acknowledging, yeah, they've kind of moved on. They are older now. There's no kind of you know airbrushing of age. They're still looking like in the forties, even though. Kenny Reese in his 50s, how he does that, I don't know. And it looks amazing and really kind of like, you know, spoke, you know, that being cliche, it spoke to me on a fundamental level that it's like, yeah, this is good. And it kind of reawakened, like, you know, I was talking with why Kayla, and she was the same, she loved it. I mean, Kayla wrote the review with me, she was kind of, I'll oh, put this in, put this in. <laughs> and like, yeah, so I really I should think, credit. Go on. I think with Matrix Resurrections, yeah, as you say, it is very meta. There is a lot of things like that, you know, almost like poking fun in a way. Yeah. And I think that was good because even in the film, it almost says like, you know, you know, 
like you know don't it's not it's like saying don't do the exact same thing again because you know that already exists you're looking to the next level almost you're looking to like the next stage and to see this as much as i was very skeptical about a new matrix movie and don't get me wrong this is someone who um why am i talking myself in the third person um anyway um <laughs> I, I, even though even though i i i really and i know a lot of people really hate um reloaded and yeah. um, revolutions i really enjoy them i don't enjoy them necessarily as the whole product but of what they are and what they build towards they are very clever movies and they do have a lot of great details and ideals in them but going into resurrections you kind of got to go almost like well hang on i know what i had from the matrix forget what you had in the matrix though this is something different it knows what its past is it knows what came before it you know what came before it that's fine take on this new level now take on this new you know reality or whatever way you want to get and you know I, I just i just i don't know what it was but i think my expectations for the matrix just went out the window and i think because it wasn't what i was expecting i enjoyed it more it was able to surprise me it was able to genuinely you know get me hooked on what could have been such a you know cheesy such terry terribly pasted together story but you know it saved itself by basically almost ripping into itself i i, I can't really say it any other way it it's kind just, of de deconstructed yeah. its own narrative whilst creating a, a new narrative going forward i mean the matrix movies of well the matrix was always a film you had to think about it's about identity and self yeah and then the subsequent uh, Reloaded and Revolutions kind of foregoed as much kind of philosophical discussions for action. Mm -hmm. uh, and this and Resurrections kind of brings it back to the uh, the argument of philosophy and of identity and self. And so people can be all over you. It's really confusing. Well, yes, because that's because you have to think. You can't just sit back. I mean, modern film cinema has made us very lazy in, in some respects. We kind of have to think as much as we used to. Uh, Resurrections just ignores that and goes, you have to think to follow this film. You've got multiple levels of reality mm. to kind of and um, to consider and jump between. Mm. It's no longer yeah. just the matrix and the real world. It's the matrix, the real world, the modal, and mm. everything in between. And I think as well, what really sells it to me, thinking back almost like the first film, it's just what you see in the pictures as well, like the very like you know very subtle hints of what's going on, even like to the color scheme as well, because that was yeah. one of the big things from the first Matrix movie. You know, you could tell that if you saw red, that was you know what was supposed to be real. You saw blue, you knew this was the artificial world they're creating, and just the subtle of that. Obviously, not trying to spoil it, but the subtle hints that you get in Resurrections as well, even like just from something simple as like someone's glasses or you know, you see a, a certain colour on the wall or something like that, you know, it's just them little telltale signs of, you know, what's real, what isn't. And I think it's like things like that. I'm almost like Easter egg hunting instead of watching the movie yeah. at times. And oh, yeah, I did have to watch it a second time just to make sure I actually knew what was going on as well. Yeah, there's a massive amount of attention to detail. So especially in reflections, I mean, if you, look, if you look carefully during certain meetings between Neo and Trinity at the start, you can see like no, there, you know, it's Keanu Reeves playing in Neo, but in the reflection, you see he's a much older man. This is how, which is how everyone else sees Neo at the moment. Mm. It was a really kind of nature. You've got to pay a lot of attention, and I mean also 
when they start out, um, Neon Trinity are wearing kind of very plain clothes, like blends in. But then as they go on, their their kind of um, wardrobe changes. And like by the end of it, they kind of really stand out. Just the clothing they wear is like, well, before like, 90, like the Matrix was very much inspired by 90s goth uh, culture. Mm. We like you know, the black PVC and the sunglasses and the corsetry and all that. This is kind of very much inspired by a similar kind of modern alternative culture. Mm. And again, it's just be- really, it's just beautiful. Really, I, I, and also again, the action scenes are just brilliant. I mean, it kind of the at the end of it, it's kind of um, it really feels like in the middle of a zombie film because mm. all the mm. bots which then which again oh yeah th- that makes perfect sense because when you consider that when we kind of got botnets which essentially like the you know, zombie hordes of like the you know, ip connected devices that are used for ddos attacks well why wouldn't the um survey uh, use its own version of you no know, botnets to attack you know mm. its own entities brilliant yeah it really and it looks Fantastic! Really, the action just looks fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so there's there's two other things of uh, there's been a lot of TV that we've we, we oh yeah. Out. So we've basically got uh, Witcher and the Book of Boba Fett. Obviously, the Witcher is has dropped and everything, all the episodes. So uh, we'll start there. Views on the Witcher, the series two. See the captain uh, so far. Oh, have you have you not okay. seen? I'm about midway through. Um, I'm enjoying it more than the first. Uh, season mostly because the the dro- drop the time the time jumping element yeah um it's much i mean it worked i mean i was saying that this earlier um it seemed that the writers of the witch were taking nods from westworld which used a similar time jumping elements for two plot strands yeah. but whilst you could when you look back on it you could see ah you could see the two different time jumps the two different narratives with the witch you didn't have that because you've got characters that are essentially ages and look the same no matter what time zone they're in so that became i find that really confusing now the writers then just dropped that idea completely and it's just a single narrative going through and it's much more interesting and each story within the each like each episode is a self-contained story there is there is a bit in it, uh, and it's not a spoiler. It's just a, it's a little sort of kind of bit of fan service. He's talking, um, he's talking to uh, a guy at a dock, and he's talking about one of the songs, and it's like you know, yeah, and, and I find the time jumps really confusing and stuff. About, you know, he's talking about the the, the different uh, parts of the song, which is obviously a reference to the last yeah. the last nice. series and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and to be honest, and I think the writers accepted that, yeah, we've got characters here that are ageless and will look the same no matter what time's time uh, and narrative they're in. So this kind of dropped it all together and it looks great. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I would say keep watching it. There's other shows out there I'm watching, which I prefer. Yeah, it's Big Witcher. Fans. Yeah, The Witcher, <laughs> um, second series. I've watched it all again. I, 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 I uh, binged that when I was back at uh for christmas um i enjoyed it um can't say it was it, it sort of blew my tiny little mind yeah. or anything um it was enjoyable i'm a big henry cavill fan anyway um it it, it my, like my boss like used to say it's so boring it's so boring <laughs> and i would say it was boring but it, it i don't think it's as sort of I don't know. It's not. It doesn't feel like it's as action packed as maybe the first series and stuff. Um, 
I watched it, finished it, and went, yeah, it was good. But it, it didn't sort of really do lots for me and stuff. I, um, I think with Witcher, I think they're sort of playing a long game with it because even the writers have said that they've got a seven-season arc right. planned out for it. That's so assuming I reckon, the, the studios let them have a seven-season arc. I thought he was going to say, assuming that Netflix don't go bankrupt by then. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're not going to now because, you know, they've got that Squid Game money. They're good. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, Witcher, Elsie, from reading the Witcher books as well, because um, I was more into the books than, sadly, the, the, I don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed the video games, but the, the Witcher books are fantastic works of art. I really do. The, the later ones are a bit, nah, but anyway. Um, but yeah. yeah um, the, I found the Witcher <laughs> books uh, were basically so meandering. They felt more like a series of, short stories that so with like an in, like a single plot thread going through it mm. whilst, whilst the short stories were brilliant because there was like beginning middle and end but the kind yeah. of these big novels um i'm not going to try sapowski i think um that's uh, how i pronounce it <laughs> i'm going to stick with that and i apologize if i got it wrong i can't i struggle with it with, with long surnames um but i found like the his, his full length novels were really good ideas but just it didn't work structurally. Do you think it's a cultural thing though? Because obviously he's Polish, and it was a Polish. It's a Polish uh, author, and so do you reckon um, it's a cultural well, no, thing? I, don't, I think in terms of the themes and the storylines, it's a cultural thing. But that wasn't the problem I have. I mean, if you look at the Witcher video games, they're very similar uh, thematically and culturally uh, to the books. I think it's more a structural sense of the actual novel that's. I it just didn't engage with me. It's the best way I can put it. Mm. Um, I mean, if you look at like Slavic uh, mythology, is less about um, us versus them. It's not really kind of like enemies versus goodies. It's more about um, people trapped between two opposing ideologies and how they kind of find their way. Mm. Uh, to navigate that, I mean, that's why Slav mythology is so rich. It's so rich because a lot of their creatures are tied to this place. I mean, if you look at the uh, most of the monsters within the Witcher franchise, they are always kind of tied to a very specific point or to a very specific event that kind of creates them, mm. which is a which is very different to typical folklore. Yeah. Um, like we look at like our, we look at like our fairy tales. They're kind of like more driven by the, a bad person doing something to a good person. This is more Slavic. Is more complicated, the best I can put it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I guess complicated is the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So what episodes? Yeah, well, are, how many episodes have you have you watched? I'm about midway. I've seen, I've seen two so far. Yeah, about midway through, about, about three or four. It's 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 good. Yeah. It's good. And like I said, the the bit you know where he's talking about the song, and it's basically them discussing the last season, uh, but in you know in reference to one of um um oh fuck, what's the name of the bard? What's the name of the bard? Jessica. Uh, Jessica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in reference to one of his songs and stuff like that, so they're basically discussing the song, but it's effectively the series, uh, the last nice. series, and I thought <laughs> that was quite a good sort of little touch to it. Um, all right, then, uh, so Book of Boba Fett, I've just finished episode two. It's not I'm enjoying it. 
yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's not as good as Mandalorian. I, I think I think with Mandalorian, that was very when that came out, that was very unexpected to what you were getting. Because mm. you know, we've got a show that really has taken it took Star Wars to somewhere very different. And it really opened up that idea of having a Western kind of feel to the Star Wars franchise. There was elements from a couple of the movies. And if you look read some of the books as well, there are some some of the novels that do kind of toy with that theme. But having Mandalorian, when you actually can have, like, you know, you can almost have like a proper showdown between a couple of characters. You know, you're having, the, you're having like these standoffs. The only other way I could compare it, it felt almost like Breaking Bad in the Star Wars universe because it, it, it feels grounded. You feel you're like believing in these characters, but at the same time, you're like, oh my god, this is Star Wars, you know, doing yeah. this. A... <laughs> but um, I think Book of Boba Fett, it's going on that momentum, but at the same time, it's also trying to play um, with people's expectations of a character that's been established for almost as long as the franchise itself. We've got to try and work this into the continuity, which is going from Mandalorian it's between episode six and episode seven so we're building up that story but also we're learning about Boba Fett we're learning about what happened to him from when um we he got thrown day. into the Sarlacc yeah and then when he becomes you know the Boba Fett that we see now and uh have you I ever seen intrigued. there's have you seen uh do you have you ever watched Parks and Recreation no, yes. I haven't. Right, there's a there's an episode of Parks, Parks and Rec where uh, Patton Oswalt's uh, character is uh, filibustering and is um is trying to basically you know you know what filibustering is where you have to basically keep on talking to sort of stop yeah uh, to yeah. you know stop a vote from happening and um he's basically talking about how he wants Boba Fett to come back and word for word what he says happens yes. in the uh, there's a there's a video of it like him talking. And the opening scene where um, obviously Boba Fett sort of kind of comes out of the Sarlacc pit and stuff. And it's it's word for word exactly what happens and stuff. And it's quite good. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying it as much as The Mandalorian. Um, they are too sim- They are quite similar in certain ways, I but think. I think the main difference is the uh, book of Boba Fett is far more brutal, unremittedly brutal than Mandalorian. Mm. With Mandalorian, you have got Grogu to counter the violence you, and you need that you need that to counter counter to banter too with book of Buffy, you don't have that kind of counter see i i would see i don't i wouldn't see it as brutal i what what's sort of getting me like i'm enjoying it but mm. um what's getting me so far and again it's only two episodes in so you, we don't know what's yeah. going to happen and stuff but it, what what we're sort of what's sort of getting me currently is as much as I understand Boba Fett's always been the sort of uh, very stoic um, character who um, <laughs> Alistair says give it a chance I'm I'm, I'm giving it a chance I'm enjoying You're it. the chance yeah, I'm enjoying it it's, yeah, just, it's, 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 it's just yeah. what is sort of currently getting to me slightly is that Boba Fett yes. He's stoic and he's very reserved, and I quite like the way. Um, and I can't remember the name of the actor. He's Samara Morrison. Yeah. Um, the way he sort of kind of the way he talks. Uh, it it is very sort of kind of thought out, and you know he doesn't just talk for the talking sake. You know he's very much a case of this is how it is and stuff. But Boba Fett is a 
I'm not an amoral, but he's a uh, he's a character who should have a grey morality in my mind. Yeah. And this sort of currently, you know, I I will rule by respect and stuff like this. And it's like, it would he though? And it's just like you know, he was he's he's very happy to sort of kind of you know. I think I think because if you look at Boba Fett from from the films and you look at like history. Yeah. He's always been the character that sort of done almost what he could do to earn money and please a master almost. Like, you know, he was always this kind of person that would go, right, well, if the price is right, I'll do anything. And a lot of that did involve obviously killing. And to see him sort of become this guy that goes, um, well, look, actually, I'm going to do something different. I want to make a name for myself, but I don't just want to be like, you know, this random murderer. I don't want to be just this guy that's doing everything for money. I want to have some respect. I want to show that, um, like, you know, I think it's more like for his family name as well. He wants to show that the Fett family are more than just assassins for hire, more than just this template of what became, you know, the clone troopers and all this side of it. I I just hope they... I hope they give him a bit more depth. Like, yeah. I don't mind, they you know, because they, they sort of mention that, um, you know, being in, the, you know, I can't remember the line, but he basically says, you know, um, ah, fuck, it's at the, like the start of the series and stuff, but he, he basically implies that, you know, he, he, he sort of had a bit of a change in his views and things and stuff. You know, if you're going to die, maybe you take into effect, you know, how your life is, is being. So I understand that maybe... He's trying to be, you know, he, he's had a near-death experience effectively and he's trying his best to sort of um, try, to, not let me be bet, bet better, but he've obviously realized that what he was doing before hasn't got him, you know, got him in the belly of a Sarlacc. But that being said, I don't think if you've been that far and you've got to that point, you're not going to, it's like a leopard doesn't change its spots. And I think, you know, I kind of hope he keeps this sort of kind of sort of grayish moral sort of compass as well. And I think I really want him to not like the Jedi because obviously they killed his father, you know. They, yeah. I don't think he's going to like the Jedi. I don't think yeah. that's that's no. going to be in question at all. I think he'll be the kind of guy that if he did come across a Jedi, he would still fight them. But I think he wants to be more, he wants to be known as a guy who's more of respect I think he what that's going to be his arc, and I think one thing you know, going back to what Pete said, you know that obviously it does seem to be missing that that balance to a degree. And I think what we need to see a bit more of, we need to see a bit more of heart. I think in the show, because if you look at Mandalorian, you know Grogu was the heart basically. This was the character that you know for all the moments he had all these um, all these like battles, all these fights, everything, all this bad stuff going on. Grogu was always the light to it all. He was yeah. like, this was the side that you go, oh, you know, it's not all bad. You know, there are certain things that are hopeful in this universe. And I think Boba Fett just needs to kind of find that in its show. It I, don't know. To... I don't know if it does, though. I, I don't I think have... it needs a bit. You, I don't you need, think so. You need the contrast. You need the contrast to emphasize yeah. the two elements. No, because you look at, like, sort of my favorite star wars film of all time rogue one it's pretty dark and it's pretty sort of <laughs> it's pretty sort of um it know, is dark but yeah but you have got those moments of light i know but it's not gen- based around a it, it, it's a moment there is a moment of light but it sort of kind of goes back to you know everybody dies basically yeah, pretty much yeah, yeah but 
but it's there. It's there. It's and a sacrifice. It's yeah. A, but and I understand that. I just don't that. want them to, to be this sort of. I don't want it to be a Mandalorian clone. No, and no, I, no we're not I, saying it to be Mandalorian. Yeah, I it's want. I just want him to be a bit. I want there to be a bit more depth about his character. I like yeah. the like like. You know, Fisk, uh, like Kingpin, you know, he's got, he's very reserved and he's kind of likable in a certain way. And then it's just like, he clicks and he goes. And I kind of like, I would like something similar with Boba Fett because I get that impression. That's his character. That he is very much a sort of like calculating, reserved, stoic sort of person, but he would go. Um, And I kind of want that, you know. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the friendship between Boba Fett and uh, Fennec Shand, Ming-Na Wen. She's brilliant in that role. And if they kind of develop that more, you could really have that kind of... explore that friendship. You could have that kind of the contrast necessary to kind of do uh, contrast with the violence of the show. That would work. Um, Do you not think her character gets slightly stereotyped? Because she plays a similar role in most things. Stargate Universe. She's quite different in Stargate Universe. Is she? I reckon reckon this is going to be the same thing with Boba Fett. I reckon through the series, her character will evolve. I reckon that we're going to see Fennec Shand. We need to see something that sort of like emotionally pulls her i think something that really you know something that she properly believes in i mean at the moment she's working with boba fett because you know it's like a it's a life debt basically yeah. you know he saved her so she's like binded to him that way but i think we need to see something that's a bit more personal to her and i, I think we will get that whether we get it you know during this arc that we're currently at the moment or in a potential second series because let's, let's be honest you know Star Wars is basically done for movies, at least for the time being. It's going to be the TV shows that are going to go forward. Yeah. I think we need to see we need to see Fennec Shand as far as she can go. I reckon, I reckon there'll be a big arc that will come up for her. What that'll be, I don't know. I'm not John Favreau or Dave Filoni. I don't know what these guys come up with. Them, them two are absolute geniuses when it comes to Star Wars. I'm happy to leave it to them, and I can just be the happy viewer. But mm. whatever they come up with. I'm looking forward to it. But I even said before, I reckon this will be the show that kind of, because compared to Mandalorian, Mandalorian goes all over the galaxy. Book of Boba Fett is staying in Tatooine. It's not, it's not, it's not going, it's not going anywhere else as far as I can see. But I reckon this will be sort of like the central hub for other shows. So I reckon we'll, we got to get a, a cameo from one or two from Mandalorian. I think Obi-Wan that's going to happen. Kenobi's going to yeah. appear, I reckon. That'd be cool. Because they've got, yeah, they've got Obi-Wan that, Kenobi no, series is coming out soon. Yes, so. there yeah. is later this year. Yeah, but very quickly, though, if we do have Obi-Wan Kenobi in Book of Boba Fett, that would be, I mean, that would be obviously, you know, false ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi, because, you no. know, at this it's point... All, would yeah. be, oh, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes, it would be. Yes. Oh, shit, yeah, because yes. it's after. Yeah, of course it would be. Yeah. So maybe it wouldn't be. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking, like, yeah, it's not, because it's in between the... the the, the two trilogies all right yeah, yeah so it can't you wouldn't although, have on Kenobi, yeah right although i reckon you know saying that i reckon at the end of the series instead of a post-credit scene you'll probably get a trailer for the obi-wan series oh yeah so there you go you might you might win on that side yeah 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 <laughs> uh mr wilson says nice to see a different perspective of the tuscan raiders yeah i was i was actually thinking Ooh. that and stuff but obviously very sort of native like native <laughs> american sort of 
thing, whereas yeah. the cowboy films the, is always yeah. there, the bad guys, and now it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's a bit more grey than the that. The Tusken Raiders were very well portrayed in Mandalorian. Brilliantly well done that. The first episode of Book of Bob Fett, they kind of went back, they kind of regressed a bit narratively. To well, be I think kind- you had to do that. Did you? I think you had to, you had to have oh. that bit where, I think because we've... Um, because basically, it, like they're bringing it, in a stranger, you know, they've got someone who's their prisoner, and obviously they have to show fear to their prisoner. They have to show so intimidation, they, by enslaving them, and then having their children beat up their slave. I mean, I, I can't say that. I know, but that's not. Industry. I don't think that you know. You've got cultural sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of like a warrior cast, effectively, and you know, it, it sort of goes along the line of a lot of sort of. Native American sort of tribes, especially in film, where it, it's yeah. like you earn respect through strength, effectively, and I think that's mm. sort of where it's coming from. Yeah, but I still think it's kind of a bit of a back, a, te- a small backward step from how it's been presented in Mandalorian, and then with episode two, they kind of brought it forward again to something a bit more positive. I will say this though: I'm preferring the kind of Boba Fett exploring, like a exploring the kind of politics of uh, Tatooine's criminal underworld far more than the Tuscan storyline. I find it's much more interesting as of his character, how he navigates this, where before he was the servant. Now he is the uh, master. Yeah. And he's kind I of was a learner. Now. You could have so done a good Star Wars line there. Yeah. yeah. So I was a learner. Uh, now I am the master. <laughs> but now, yeah, but now he's in his role has turned and I kind of really kind of look into that element. I mean, I'd like, I'm really enjoyed, um, Bob Fett's interaction with the damn you. Yeah. That, that really kind well, no, of, no, no, damn you. He's the damn you, uh, the mayor, the mayor. No, no, yeah. the, da- the, the mayor's damn you. No, no, the, no he's the no, damn you. Yeah. So the mayor's the mayor. And then the hot, the hut twins are the huts, the huts, <laughs> the huts, the huts. No, but, but there was the, 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 the uh, Yeah. The uh, Twi'lek. Uh, oh, the Twi'lek. Do you know who that Twi'lek is? Uh, the guy who's sort of his... Is, have you ever... Do you watch... Um, oh, I can't even remember the name of it now. I've, been, I've watched series four of it. Uh, it's the one where uh, they're in a supermarket and uh, it's a comedy and they're in a supermarket. It's sort of along the lines of, you know, the office. Clerks? But, uh, is it again? Clerks? No. It, no, super. Superstore. Superstore, that's it, yeah. But, yeah. He's Jeff from Superstore. <laughs> I was like, that guy looks so familiar. That, yeah, that's who I'm, it was. Yeah, it's that's Jeff. Like, Joe what? Because I've just I've just finished watching Superstore as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've just finished watching the last series. And, and Joe, when I was watching Pope Fit, I was like, I'm sure because done that a few times when you watch it, you go, I'm sure I know that face. Yeah. It's, it's like when I used to watch Highlander. <laughs> I used to watch the Highlander series. Every week you're like, I know who that person is. And then if you don't come by the end of the episode, they're like, right, I've got to Google it, I've got to find out who it was now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Superstore. Yeah, yeah Jeff, it's Jeff from Superstore. So I'm, I'm on series four. Oh, wow. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alistair Wilson says, has the Fett changed the way Tuscan Raiders behave? They now collaborate in Mando season two, which is true. The whole sort of like uh, tithe thing that he mentioned in the second episode is yeah. something that they now sort of take in. And maybe because of him, they've become a bit more open to, um, you know, they're not Outsiders. as... Yeah, they're not. Uh, yeah, they're a bit more. They can be a bit more integrated in a way, um, which is yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I just hope they give him a bit more depth. I don't want yeah. I don't want a carbon copy of the Mandalorian. I don't want a a bounty hunter who gets a heart and then sort of, you know, saves saves the galaxy sort of thing. I want no. a bounty hunter who is, you know, fine, he might be a bit less sort of like um shooty stabby and a bit more sort of kind of like you know they're, they're playing into it because he, he is sort of like this is mine i'm taking that this yeah. i mean also mandalorian himself the mandalorian himself is a very different character too but mandalorian is like a, you know very much um a beginner he's just starting out in his career as a bounty hunter yeah yeah combat, he's still getting all his armor whilst bob fett is at the opposite end of this, he's no longer a bounty hunter. He is now a damio. Yeah. And so yep. this is someone like he's becoming about to compared to someone who's leaving the bounty hunter career behind him. So that's going to be the major difference, which is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, another back to the Twilicks. Um, the the female Twilic is that uh, again name forget from Ga- yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Is that her? Oh, um, the the, um, the Cylon, I, um, the Cylon. Oh, no, um, I don't think so. No. I didn't think it was. No, is it not? She she looks familiar. This the, the female Twilic in yeah. um in the um the sanctuary. She's yeah, been in something, and I'm just like trying. And I'm part of me was just like, is that the? She was in obviously. Um, she was in um, Lucifer, and she was obviously Battlestar Galactica and stuff. And I was just like, "Is that her? Is is that her?" But if it's not, it's somebody who looks very similar to her. And I'm just trying to figure out who it is. So if somebody knows who that person, I, I could, I suppose, I could just IMDb it. In fact, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to IMDb it because I'll find out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll yeah. get an answer then, won't we? Um. Book of Bob. Oh, why? It's why? Jennifer Beale. Is it Jennifer Beale? Yep. Oh, all right. Okay. Ah, right. Okay. What was I watching with Jennifer Beale in it recently? Um. What? What if I? I was watching something with Mira, Jennifer Beale in it recently. What? Or am I thinking? Oh, we Jessica? could just keep naming films all night. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Jessica Beale. I'm not thinking of Jennifer Beale. Uh, that's that's someone completely different. Um, yeah. Wait a minute. Is it? Is it? Is it? Uh... Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Uh, yeah. She just. You looked out my Google thing. <laughs> is it Jennifer Beale or Jessica Beale? Yeah. This is the Pride podcast. Yeah. Oh, hell. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um yeah. It's yeah. so far so good. So far so good. Um, you know, I'm not I and I just hope he sort of gets himself a bit of a his own thing and we'll see how it goes and stuff. Um but yeah. In 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 John Favreau we, we, we trust, I guess. Yeah, very much oh, so yeah. actually, yeah. Yeah. Um just talking about T V shows, because 'cause I'm sure you know, it's getting to that time, you know, probably wanting to get a get a bit of hot chocolate, you know, lay down in bed and think about the week that's about to come. But um, as of a few hours ago, I finally finished watching. We're going to go from sci-fi to something quite messed up. Um, I finally watched the last episode of the revival series of Dexter. And, oh, okay. okay. And you know what? I love Dexter. I, I really enjoyed the show. The later series went really downhill. Yes, they did. Yeah. 
but Jeff Lindsay's books, if you've never read the novels, I think you should read them first before you ever watch the show because the books are just so good. They're so rich, dark, humorous. And what you get from them is like literally just the tip of the iceberg, you know, to compare to what you get in the show. The shows are very okay. Um, but the new series, it had a lot to do. For one thing, you had to improve on that fucking terrible finale that was season eight when he goes off and becomes a lumberjack. Because, you know, that's what you do. You grow a bit of a beard. You go on the run. You're going to go, yeah, I'm going to just go and cut wood now for the rest of my life. I'll try not to murder anyone. Yeah, why not? (laughs) But do you know what? The new series, I really did like it. And when you've got Clancy Brown as well as your main antagonist, you know that you've got some good acting chops there. Someone who's just able to bounce off of Michael C. Hall perfectly. Um, They do a few creative changes. One of the big things is the Dark Passenger um, is no longer depicted as his dad. It's actually depicted as Deb Morgan instead. So his sister slash lover slash whatever weird shit you're into, you know, that was the... uh, and even though them two did actually get married at one point as well, really made it even weirder. But yes, um, but do you know what? Overall, the series was really good. It There was a lot of twists and turns. There was some terrible storyline for us that I had to try and wrap up as well. But one of the best things they did was bring in Dexter back to his son, Harrison, because there was obviously a lot of trauma there because he just left his son and then you know, went off to go and do his lumberjack job. As you do. But the final episode just dropped um, today. So they obviously had it on the sh- streaming services. Um, and yeah. I stopped it watching Dexter after, after season three, possibly. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But um, I it, think. Was it the- season three or was it season four? Did you watch it um, after um, Julie Benz's character? I, no, no, I I got to oh, the point where I think, um, and it don't, doesn't matter, you know, it's fine, but I, uh, I think I got <laughs> to the point where the copper, you know, was like, was pretty much on to him and stuff. Uh, oh, that's season two. Is yeah, it season yeah. two? It might be at the end of season yeah. two. Yeah. And it wasn't um, because I, I disliked just, like, it. I loved it. It was just I couldn't, I, I don't think at the time when I was watching it, I could see it. I was like my, I think my ex is... Uh, I was watching it. They were sending me copies of it from like Sky and stuff, and I was watching it and stuff. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was Agent Dokes because um, he obviously found out Dexter's secret. Yeah, yeah. And Surprise, then he kept him, <laughs> yeah, he kept him prisoner. He was like, "Well, you know, you can't kill me because I I don't violate your code. So you're going to have to let me go at some point." And then, um, you know, problem solved. His crazy bitch of a girlfriend just kills him instead. Um, but again. <laughs> Again, this is one of the things when you compare it to the books, because in the books, the Agent Dokes character has a very different storyline. And what happens to his character is fucked up to the extreme. It is really messed up. He doesn't die, but what happens to him is quite messed up. Uh, You've just, got to read the books. Just, just a bit of a retraction. It's not Jeff from um, the Superstore, apparently. It's a guy called David uh, Paschese. Uh, he was in Veep at home with uh, Amy Cedrus at 
angels and demons. But so yeah, it's a guy who looks like Jeff, but it's not Jeff. So that point was him. Yeah, I I I, I sit in the corner. It's definitely like Jeff. That's definitely him. But it's not. It's not. It's another guy. It's an actor called David Pasquese. Pasquese. Um. But yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um. All right. So um. Before we sort of we we bounce before we leave, um. What have you got yourselves any sort of kind of New Year's resolutions? Um, get myself back into shape. Basically, get back get back to kung fu. That's starting on Tuesday. Get back on my bike now that the weather's slightly more pleasant for cycling in, and also get out to more events. I mean, we've got Sci Fi Weekend coming up in April. World's Comic Con with Bruce Campbell. Oh, so yes. I'm, you know, fingers crossed, I can get an interview with Bruce Campbell. That would be amazing. That would that be would amazing. Be, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, hopefully Edge Lit at Quad, organised by Alex Davis. Um, it's going to be in July, maybe, possibly, hopefully. And hopefully let's get COVID under control. I mean, I I believe like this time next year, things will be quite different. Things will be much more back to normal because the various variants are becoming more transmissible, but also less severe. Yep. Our bodies, you know, we've got like two to three vaccines yet, so we've got some protection. It's going to become like the flu, where well, you get your flu job, you also get your, your um, uh, COVID job as well. Yeah, it's never going away, I don't think. I Absolutely think just, not. Yeah, no, those that say otherwise, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to become like having your annual flu job. And it's also less severe now. The number of people that have been hospitalized, because it's far less compared to the number of uh, people um, getting it. So, and you just feel rough for a few days. Typically, there are, no caveat that, there are a lot of people out there that are vulnerable, that, you know, for whatever reasons, an age or um, have an autoimmune deficiency syndrome or have some form of, like, you know, they are, like, you know, have got breathing difficulties that will impact upon them much more. That's why we get vaccinated so they don't catch it. Mm. What about so, you, John, and, and, No, do you know what? I, I think it's almost the same thing, you know? getting out there a bit more, um, you know, try and get into a bit of better shape as well. Because, you know, as much as as much as much I like my weekend of, you know, sitting down, drinking beer, eating pizza, I mean, it's like living the dream, really. But at the same time, you've got to get that little bit active again. Yeah. Um, also, as well, I have decided that um, last year I, I wanted to try and do um, a new film every week because – you know, there's so many times I'll sit down and I'll go, oh, I'll put this on. I know I've seen it before, but it's easy going, whatever. So this this year I've decided that I'm going to watch at least one film a week that I've never seen before. And I'm even going on personal recommendations as well. I've just said to people that tell me some films that you've really enjoyed. I want to have some new experiences. And I've decided that's going to be every weekend now. So I've done that twice so far. Big Trouble in Little China. I've seen that. Okay, then. Well done. Give it up. Come on, why would maybe I John, John, maybe we should do a thing where we, we give you a recommendation for a film you haven't seen to watch how for, the cool next, are we feeling? for the next podcast. And what did God. you think of it? Well, well do you know what? Um, the first <laughs> the first film on my list was um, was Best Friends, the um, part part one, the um, Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. And I've got part two, which I'm going to watch next week. But part one, I'll tell you what, it's fucked up. It's so weird. If you've not seen it, basically, Tommy Wiseau 
is an undertaker and his main thing that he does is he collects personal knickknacks from the people that you know he caters to so if someone like you know had gold fillings or whatever you know he collects the gold fillings puts them in a box if there was something that they had that seemed of sentimental value he put into storage and there's even you know just to show you that obviously so culturally sensitive um because the funeral of one person they do is chinese they decide that yes for dinner that night they're going to get chinese food in his memory okay because um, Tommy Wiseau is a fucked up guy, and I'm pretty sure that most of what you see on the screen is not acting. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then yesterday, um, I finally watched um, because I, I don't know why I never really got round to it before. Um, I finally watched the um, the the babysitter film on Netflix, and um, the McGee directed uh, movie and. I've got to tell you, I quite enjoyed that. Have I you seen Have really you seen Don't Look Up yet? Yes, I have. Yes, I'm I watched that. Um, I actually quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I think it was so on the nose about... Yeah. It, it was so on the nose, like it was kind of scary on the nose. It, it, it It's comical and serious and scary because it, it's so... And I, yeah, I, it's it, how it, people act yeah. about this potential world-ending event. And they're like, well, what's the possibility the world's going to end? 99.8%. Oh, so it's not 100% then. That's not too bad. Um, how about we spin it and we say it's only like 70%. You go, but that's not the numbers. That's um, that's that's wrong. Know, but it was, so how about we say we say 50-50? Yeah, like, it was insane, what? though. It just sort of like, I was watching it and just go, oh, my God, it, this is potentially one of the most sort of I think um, uh, somebody said on my Facebook, I think Ryan uh, and a guy, Uncle Ryan, said um, it's like this is probably one of the most important films to come out um, uh, on, you know, in our in our in our generation and stuff. It's so like it's hard to explain. It's ridiculous, but it's so it's so like. Yeah. ties in with what we are in at this moment in time yeah. and stuff and it yeah if you haven't seen it I think you, it's, you should see it yeah. i think it's i think it makes you think you know as horrible as it be to be told oh yeah the world's gonna end in a few days watching that film you just see that like people be like yeah, yeah whatever you crazy scientist guy yeah. um that, that's what i feel would happen that's what i honestly think people would do and even like the the scene when they're on the chat show as well that is just incredible like you know just to the point where um like jennifer lawrence's character just snaps and goes what's wrong with you you we're all gonna fucking die it's it's just mad yeah, it's sort good. of yeah it's definitely worth a watch um oh and death to 2021 as well oh yeah that um, was good yeah yeah as always not as not as good as the death to 2020 because i think that was a bit of an unexpected treat but yeah. yeah still enjoyable when it does show you that um there is still humor in the bad things and um especially um kristen milliotti's character when um you see like when she goes oh you know um yeah the protests oh i didn't really agree with it where it goes but you were at the protests you filmed yourself there well yeah i had to go and visit yeah, with an ak-47 and stuff yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
and then um, oh yes, and um, yes, you also caught COVID as well. Yeah, yeah, it ain't done anything to me. Yeah, sure, I was breathing bad for a few weeks, and I still can't taste anything. But apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> um, Alistair says uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is definitely worth a watch. I've not seen it yet. I, 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 I don't know why, but I, I've not seen that. I really want to see it and stuff. Yeah. He says, it is good. He says uh, it's not a film, uh, but dope. Is it dope sick? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. Um, yeah. yeah, and also I'm currently on to just just waiting for the last final episode of the Expanse job on Wednesday on. I am so glad Friday. that I haven't watched any of it, so I can just literally binge the whole oh, thing. Oh, you will love it. It's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. my only criticism is that six episodes isn't enough. It needs more to breathe. I mean, there's kind of like various characters being dropped in, say what they need and drop out again. So it's very tight and um, very yeah. no, tightly written. But it's great. It's great. It's expanse. It's yeah. expanse. Um, <laughs> as for sort of my my new year's resolutions um i've got a few uh my my first Ooh. one I, I enacted today as i went to uh the northwest warboot in uh at element games in stockport and i sold over a thousand pounds worth of stuff uh i Whoa. literally like and i i i had um like more like i got a car full of stuff like it's still there but i'm going to try and declutter and i'm not going to say like People, you know, will know my man cave, and some will probably say I've got like a lot of collectibles. I've got a lot of board games, a lot of miniatures, and things like that. But it's stressing me out. It's stressing me out. Not the collectibles as much and stuff because they can sit there and look pretty, but the stuff where I've like, you know, my my pile of shame things that I can't sort of, um, you know, uh, feel stressed because I'm not doing stuff with them and they're just piling up. So I just went, Mm. right, that's it. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing, I'm not doing Kickstarters anymore unless I'm going to play the game. Uh, I'm I'm just going to get carried away. So I'm literally, I'm not backing anything unless I really, 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 really want it. I'm selling Mm. stuff that I'm not going to use. Um, I'm going to, so like, like I said, I sold about a thousand pounds worth of stuff. Even so, like I had an, an Imperial Guard army, which is beautiful and it sat there i played i like uh with some of the stuff uh in a, in a tournament of a few years back and i went it's just you know it looks nice but it, i'm never going to use this again so i sold it at a toy army i sold that i sold a load of stuff today i just went right fuck it i went proper proper brutal on myself uh mm. and i'm literally going to go through as much of my stuff that i can get rid of that <laughs> won't destroy my soul uh and and get rid of it and so i'm just sort of like you know board games if i'm not playing them i'm going to i'm just going to sort of i'm going to try and get rid of them and stuff um so that's my first sort of thing uh my second thing is try to be a bit more organized especially with this podcast and um you know general geek pride stuff because it's a bit sort of um sometimes my life gets in the way and it's a bit sort of hit and hope and just see what happens and stuff but i wouldn't mind what we got with this sort of podcast is last year we were doing we were our numbers were getting really like especially in the mid year before we were we were getting lots of guests on and our numbers were like every week we were going up 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 and then obviously i moved house uh shit happened with my ex and stuff and it just all went went straight down again speaking speaking of guests um we've got uh sarah l everybody it's like l coming on to the uh, podcast in about a fortnight 
Um, fantastic debut author, really powerful, passionate speaker about science fiction and people of color. And like, you know, really looking forward to speaking to her. We've um, currently speaking to uh, Doctor in the Medics coming on. They've played the Sci Fi Weekend a few conventions come time, and they are keen. Uh, Laura Morrow is going to come on in sometime in February. She's really um, got a lot of work on at the moment, but said February should be a bit calmer first. She's doing a PhD, and she started writing in video games now. So she's going to come and talk about like you know, the, the how she, how that came about and you know how writing video games differs to typical you know narrative uh, techniques. I- I've got to say, when you first mentioned about Doctor and the Medics the other week, I was like, the, the band Doctor and the Medics? And I yep. just thought, that would be so awesome. That just he be is brilliant. a genuinely lovely guy. Um, I've, uh, let's see, he's been at Sci-Fi Weekend, a couple of guys, and he just, you know, he gets everyone up on the dance floor dancing. And I've seen them myself a couple of times. The most recent, last time was in... January 2020, when they came to Derby, and they played just a great set. The, the sound quality was off a bit, but just the band were just having an absolute ball, and the doc himself was just such a char- charismatic uh, vocalist and lead singer that he really kind of had the entire audience in his hand. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to having him on. Yeah, and I think, you know, as much as I quite like um, having us just having a bit, of, especially if we haven't talked for a while, just having a yeah. bit of sort of back and forth and stuff. I think the guests are definitely a, a thing yeah. that need to be done, and um, you know, it, we I'm were doing really well. And it was, yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is actually we're we're getting a lot of traction here, and it was getting to a point, and then obviously it just fell off a cliff, and we have to stop. Yeah. We're we're, go, we're we're rising again, but it's just like you know, I was looking at the the um, uh, what's the fucking what's the background the stats and stuff in the background and i was like oh my god it's like you know week on week we're literally going up and like month on month we were like you know we were smashing what we were getting the month before and then you know i was like so we need to get back to there because yeah. i wouldn't mind oh also we've got Adrian tchaikovsky um shit due to come on uh after the release of his new novel um especially games workshop novel about gene yep. stealers yeah so He's a he's a man that knows about his bugs. Yep, cool. That'll be good. So yeah, that'll be that's another thing. And uh, thirdly, I think my I'm going to I'm I'm going to get my I'm gonna probably get my teeth sorted. I've got I'm not like people may or may not notice, but I've got a tooth that sort of kind of pushes in slightly and one that goes to the side. It's not overly um what's the word it's it, it's not like it's not horrible looking or anything like that it's just i'm very very conscious about it especially when i smile that you know this tooth sort of is pushed in slightly so i think i'm going to get it sorted because it's been bugging me you know since i was a teenager and i was just like you know what i'm just going to maybe get it sorted and then it's done and then i can sort of you know smile and not be so overly self-conscious about it and stuff i know it doesn't matter you, it does people don't matter but for, me, last, for me personally it matters Matt, the last few months, all we ever see is we see these photos of you where you basically like sculpted yourself, almost like going for this like this demigod kind of look. And now you're like, I'm perfect, but I just need to do the teeth. It's like, <laughs> no, it's not. You know, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm trying my best as well with the the gym stuff. Like, I, I, I've put on, I got myself to like 95 kilograms, which is about uh 15 stone i think 15 and a bit stone something like that which is good for me i think for my size i should be in and around that weight and stuff and i'd sort of you know was happy enough and i don't i don't hammer the gym i'm not like i've got like a home effectively a home gym my work gives me like 350 pounds a year towards gym equipment that i can spend which is good so i'm gonna buy some more of that i do like half an hour to 45 minutes a day in the gym i have a protein shake 
and I, you know, obviously I walk balls and stuff. So I, I've got sort of a good thing just lift going. balls up and down. That's that right, yeah, that's really it. Just fine. <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah, just, you know, I need... Boss can just pull him along, you know. Yeah, I, I want to lo- lose, lose a bit more weight to get myself back to what it was, you know, yeah. and um, get sort of, um, you know, the, the teeth is something I'm 40 now. And I don't, you know, I've got I've got a girlfriend now. Everything's happy and it doesn't really matter. She's not bothered, but it's just something that has yeah. bothered, has always bothered well, me. Well, you've got a thousand pounds going spare at the moment, so... Yeah, well, that's well, it, yeah. I have, so... Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, so a thousand pounds might buy you one tooth. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. they're expensive, though. That's the problem. So it's something I know, but it's just, I just want to get it done because it's just like, you know, it's always something that's bothered me and I just think it make me feel slightly better. It's all about sort of your own mental health and things. I know yeah. there's a lot of people who sort of... Um, are pretty down on sort of cosmetic surgery in general, and I understand if you go over the top with it and stuff, it looks it looks weird. But I think if it makes you as a person feel sort of better about yourself, yeah. um, then I don't see why you shouldn't do it and stuff. Um, I know it doesn't matter, you know, people shouldn't judge you by that and stuff. But if you personally feel sort of like it affects you and your your mental well being and stuff, then why? it done so that's something obviously it's down to money and i don't you know maybe if i sell a load of stuff then i'll have a bit more money to do that and stuff but uh yeah (laughs) that man case gonna look quite bare by the end yeah well it's it's definitely not gonna look bare Uh, as much (laughs) as i'm i'm culling stuff you know uh unless something really bad happened i don't think i get ever get rid of my lord of the rings collection um uh you know there's certain board games i would definitely never get rid of um you know some of the things like the Star Wars stuff I've got in the background, you know, I don't play it very much, but I love the models and stuff. Yeah, and it's just, I'm yeah, not, nice. I wouldn't, I'm not going to get rid of that. It's just yeah. like gray plastic and games that I'm 100% never going to play. That's yeah. sort of stuff I'm, I'm getting rid of. You know, I'm not, it's like yeah. I buy them, I got shiny things, I like them. It's like, no, get rid of it. You don't need that. You know, yeah. And Kickstarters, yeah, so- Kickstarters, I am not backing any Kickstarters unless I really, really, the only one I've got my eye on at the minute is the Rome Total War Kickstarter. Uh, because I love that game. Um, Will you be going to UK Games Expo this year? See, this is the other thing, Peter. If I go to that, then I'm going to have to be very. I might have to give you my wallet. I'm excited. What we're going to do? We're going to go. Yeah, I guess we're going. We're going to. We're going to take. Opinion, we're going to interview hey, some people. If, if he goes to the Games Expo, he can't do his teeth. So you know that's yeah. the conundrum. Yeah, yeah, but so, he gives me his wallet, and I can go shopping. Yeah, <laughs> it's like don't you let me buy. <laughs> so you're going to put him in debt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy this. Yeah, I'm not going to buy that. And I'm not going to buy stupid things <laughs> unless I really, 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 really need it. I'm just going to be a bit more brutal with myself. And just sort yeah, of, you know, try and get that stuff sorted and shit. But uh, yeah, right, okay, yeah. I've really enjoyed tonight. That's been, that's been really good. Likewise. Great, great conversation. Uh, Alistair said, uh, "Dope sick" is a Disney Plus, uh, and it's yeah. based. Yes, on that's the, the Michael Keaton one. Yeah, the yeah, Purdue yeah. uh, Farmer scandal. Okay, right, all right. Also agree with Pete on the expanse. The expanse needed so much more than six episodes. Yeah, maybe some follow-up movies. I think that's what's going to happen. To be honest, I think that's the only way they could. I mean, there's no way they could resolve three and a bit books in the in one half hour, one and a half hour episode. It's going to be like the last of um, book six, and then I, I would not be surprised if down the line we hear about a trilogy of films coming out, which take which makes sense because there's a jump forward in the expanse books between book six and book seven. Right. Okay. Or a sequel series. 
the, the assets are being put on into storage, not being dis- so. That could be the case. We'll see what happens. I mean, I would be happy either. Personally, prefer TV series because there's more. You can invest more time into the story rather than being, you know, tight, limited by the the time scale of a film, which is like you know two hours ish. But yeah, more expense. I'm always happy. Cool. All right. Well, with that, we'll leave it there. Um, appreciate all the comments from uh, Mr. Wilson on Facebook there. Um, and anybody who's been listening, thank you very much. Um, Happy New Year. Have yourselves, uh, I hope you have yourselves an amazing year. Uh, please keep on listening. Uh, hopefully this year we will uh, start gearing up again, get a bit more um, bit more variety guest-wise on. Obviously a little more interesting than us talking about new, you know, random shit and stuff like that. Um <laughs> But thank you very much uh, for tonight. I've been Matt Geary. With me has been John Joe Cosgrove. Take care, everyone. And Peter Ray Allison. Goodbye, everyone. And look after each other.